What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Open Guard Cast. My name is Danny O'Donnell. I'm here with my guest today. He is a 2021 Pan Champion, 2021 World Champion in the Brown Belt Light Featherweight Division, Sebastian Serpa, also newly promoted Black Belt on the podium at Worlds. Awesome way to get promoted. So, Sebastian, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Um, th- th- uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You know, always been wanting to be part of the Open Guard um, podcast. For sure. Very excited. Um, can they can they see me or no? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we record the video and the audio. So I'll, I might okay, post awesome, some video awesome. clips too. But nice. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Super excited to to be on this podcast and. Let's go. Let's do this. Sweet. So I always start with the same question just to kind of get into into the guest backgrounds a little bit. But do you want to talk about how you started in jiu-jitsu or how you learned about the sport originally? Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, I, I grew up into like in sports. Like my, my, my father always wanted me to just be in sports, just stay active. So he put me in um, to play soccer. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think I uh, used to get like... like um, I don't want to say bullied, but teased, you know, and I just didn't know how to defend myself. So I think part of it was more for self-defense, you know, and I think eventually, like, put me one day for karate, but that wasn't my thing. Um, I think I was more, like, I was very shy. And you know how in karate, like, at the end of every class, they make you, um, like, do this prayer. I don't know if you're familiar, but they, like, I remember it was my first class. We, we, we finished the, the session, and then everybody was, like, lined in, in rows, and then we everybody was like doing like some prayer and I just I had like fear of like speaking up you know so I didn't I didn't know I was like what what do I say and then I didn't have to pray (laughs) but but I was like if long term if I have to pray I'm like I I can't do this so yeah like I don't want to talk in front of these people people. this sucks (laughs) yeah I don't I just want to I just want to punch and kick but I think um as a little kid that was probably the the reason why I didn't want to keep with it was just one day and then um, I think weeks after uh, I was put in, uh, they found a, a jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just, first day I was already in love. But I think I was more in love with the aspect of making friends, you know, mm-hmm. building confidence. Yeah. And just, exactly, just building confidence. And it wasn't more for, it wasn't really like, um, I, th- I just thought jiu-jitsu was fun, you know. Any, anyone who tries jiu-jitsu for the first time, it's like, what is this? You know, I've never been exposed to this. And it's kind of crazy because when, when new people just join the gym or new people join jiu-jitsu, it's, um, we can't really see what they're experiencing, you know, but it's like, it's crazy. Like you would want to experience that all over again. You know, I just yeah. imagine what if I experienced this as like 20 year old, like just first joining jiu-jitsu, you know, but it's like, it's a, it, it was an amazing feeling just, but it was, but it was first more just like, um, just making friends. Yeah, totally. And I, I did start jujitsu when I was in my early 20s, so I can kind of like relate to that that type of person. But um, yeah, I felt like everyone was like really tight. They were really close with each other. It seemed like a really positive, like uplifting community. So that was really cool. Um, but were, were you influenced at all by the UFC or MMA? Was that part of what got you into it? Mm, no, not really. Um, no, not the UFC. I remember I was like nine years old. I oh, think no. actually, I think actually now that you bring that up, I think... Um, I think my dad wanted me to be in the UFC. <laughs> so he told me, he's like, this is how you start. But, and I, I just didn't realize how dangerous the UFC was at the time. So I think maybe I was motivated to, to do the UFC like right after. But I think I'm, I'm okay with Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So do you want to talk a little bit about what it was like when you first started? Like some kids start out and they're like, they, they're very much like naturals at Jiu-Jitsu. They win every tournament they enter. And it just kind of like, smooth sailing from the beginning was was that your experience or did you struggle when you first started well it's funny because I don't really consider myself like really good at sports it takes me a while like to really get the hang of it like I can't play basketball I can't play (laughs) it's very hard for me to play soccer even though I like that's one sport that I've really like played the most besides Mm jiu-jitsu but anything else it's like takes it's like I feel like I'm not like very athletic when it comes to other sports um but with jiu-jitsu, I honestly think, since I started at a very young age, I think I have, I've molded the jiu-jitsu body. You know, it's like, I just feel like when I try other sports now, it's like my body's like so f- meant for jiu-jitsu that I just can't do it. I'll just do it for fun. So I think um, towards the beginning, I don't really know if, if, if I like, if I like, um, what's that word? It was like a natural or? Yeah, like if I felt like I was a natural, 
maybe maybe people would tell me, you know, how people like um, they boost you. They're like, oh, you're so good yeah. at this. You know, just <laughs> yeah. keep at it. Maybe that, but I can't tell if it was like real or not. But no, I I don't I can't tell if I was like a natural. Maybe maybe not. You know. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you mentioned something that was kind of interesting. You said like your body was kind of molded for jujitsu, and I I forget I, who said this, but I remember someone saying that it's great to start when you're a kid because you develop your technique early on and your body molds to the sport. And then as you get older, you can add your strength to it once you you know hit puberty and you get stronger and like get more muscular. Would you agree with, yeah, that? I agree with that? I agree, a hundred percent. I think yeah. um, starting at a very young age, you you do um, build like it's weird. You just build this jujitsu. Like your body just molds in, you know, into mm-hmm. the sport, and I think that you see you see that a lot with um, the younger generation, you know, as they come up. Yeah. Like, look at the Rotolos, um, Kolabate, all those yeah. young the the younger generations, like um, they're just molded into into um, the sport. Yep, definitely. I mean, even Mikey, Mikey started at four years old. Yeah. you know, look at him. Yeah, it's like you're used to getting smashed in these like really weird positions. You get more flexible yeah, in certain inver- ranges. Yeah, inverting. Yeah, inverting. Yeah, totally. So do you remember when you first uh, came to the realization that you want to make jiu-jitsu a big part of your life? Like obviously you're a super high-level professional competitor now, but I think some people, there's like this divide between people who decide they want to do it as a hobby and then people who want to pursue it professionally. So do you remember that moment when you were like, okay, I really love this. I want to try and reach the highest level and just dedicate yeah. pretty much my whole life to this so um basically um i don't like school <laughs> you know i don't i don't like school um i, I just don't like it I, I don't have any like it's like if you ask me what would i be doing if i didn't have jujitsu it's like um i don't know you know maybe <laughs> maybe digital marketing you know um or, or something but mm-hmm. but it's like i felt like i was i was very i felt like i was um decent enough to if i didn't make it to the high level, I think I'd be decent enough to be a great instructor, you yeah. know, open up my own gym, you know, regardless of what happens in my competitive um, career, I can always rely, go back to, you know, opening up a gym, which is still the end goal, you know, I'm always going to, that's my plan is to open up a gym eventually, but that's when I realized I was like, I want jujitsu for the rest of my life because I just wasn't interested in anything else in, in like, in this like school you know in school like um what's that word academics academics yeah academics um i wasn't interested in any in anything like i i guess you could say business but business if you really think about it it's like once you're done with business then it's like that's when it starts you know you need to figure out what you want to sell what you what you want to branch out to you know so really business isn't really i don't really consider like school you know unless you're gonna manage a business for someone else but the end of the day, I want to work for my for myself. Yeah. Um. So that's when I was like, I, I could use jujitsu, and make that you know make a living out of it. You know, regardless yeah. of yeah. my competitive career. That's what, that's how I started seeing it. Totally. Yeah. I feel like I completely relate to what you're saying about business. Like it it doesn't it is important to study in school, but it's way more about your hands-on experience and what you can do in the real world. That's like that's actually applicable. So yeah, t- I definitely can understand what you mean yeah. by that. So do you want to talk that's a little bit about, little bit. oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, yeah, that's basically it for, that's when I decided, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't really at a, this was decided basically when I was like 18, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was like 18, I decided, but back, before that, it was just, I was just doing school, I was still in high school, so I just focused on just competing, but when, once you hit 18, you really need to realize what you really want to do, and I was like, this is. Yeah, that's when you start I, to like, feel pressure from, like, your parents yeah, and your counselors yeah, yeah. and everything. This is it. I told my parents, I'm like, I'm going to make a living off jiu-jitsu. Like, I'm going to make it happen, you know? That's awesome. So, that's awesome. so do you remember some of your early competitions? you want to talk about those? Early competitions, I did a lot as a, um, as a little kid. But I think um, I didn't view jiu-jitsu how I view it now. You know, um, someone that inspired me to view it how I view it now is, like, Mikey, Mikey uh, Musumechi. Like, um... It was all about forcing positions, and you know, like when you're a little kid, you just you just want to do jujitsu. You just force positions, and I, I started changing that perspective of like just taking what they give you, you know. So as a little kid, when I would compete, I would just go in there and and um, just try to murder the kid, you know, <laughs> just murder the kid. Just, just impose your will. <laughs> yeah, just do um, uh, do do whatever I could, you know, and it would work. 
I knew eventually it would come to a point where you just can't do that. You just can't go out there and, and do whatever you want to, to, the, to the person. You know, you're going to have to think and answer whatever they throw at you. Yeah. Um, but I don't really remember too much. I always remember me being the most scrawny kid in the division. I was just like long and lanky. And everybody in my division was like short, but they were stocky. <laughs> yeah, you know, and like that guy's in my division, and um, so, like sometimes I no, most of the time I would end up like, well, my strategy was get close guard, and then I'll start like working my way to the back. I was like a close guard player yeah. when I was younger. Now I'm all all over the place. Yeah, now it's all open guard, Baron Bolos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Baron Bolos. But I used to be like super. I would do open guard in the gym, but I was like very nervous to open up in the. And the competitions, I'm actually very proud of that. Is like, I was able to um, get past through that. You know, every time in competition, I would just stay in close guard, and then that would be my strategy. Close <laughs> so guard did, for the win. When did you uh, When did you meet Mikey, and and when did he start to like really influence um, how you thought about jujitsu? I met Mikey. I think I was I was 13 years old. Oh wow! So when you were young. Yeah, he did a seminar at my gym, and that was the first time I got to train with him. And I don't think anybody's ever whooped my butt <laughs> <laughs> so bad, <laughs> you know. And then I was I I wanted to um, basically replicate that, you know. Um, Jiu-Jitsu was just so flow. He didn't even use strength, you know. So I think that that really changed my mindset with Jiu-Jitsu. Um, other people too, other like uh, different training partners, uh, making me realize like that. You just can't be a one-trick pony. You have to, like, you know, I, I hit Baron Bolos um, the past Worlds, but at Pan Am's, I, I really didn't hit a Baron Bolo. Mm -hmm. You know, that was just my, that was my A game. And in reality, Baron Bolo is like kind of, it's kind of like my B game. Um, people don't know about that. That's just, if it, if it works, it works. You know, if, it, mm -hmm. if, it, if I get it in my first fight or in any match, it just works. But in reality, I have like a diff, a main game. Because I assume that everybody I go against won't like are going to be ready for the Baron Bolo, yeah. you know yeah. I assume already so I have a main game for that um but yeah um definitely changed my perspective with jiu-jitsu from from that day that's awesome and then I started training differently and making my training sessions like more more efficient you know always having a plan and I think I just matured from there with jiu-jitsu who are some of the other people? Because you mentioned there are other people besides Mikey, kind of high-level yeah, guys who influenced your um, game. I would uh, Kevin, Kevin, and Brian Mahecha. Mm -hmm. They, they're they're in the um, competition scene. I don't know if you if you've heard of them. Yeah, I have. Yeah, you have. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, they they I would say like they kind of like adopted me because <laughs> yeah, in jujitsu because um, I felt like my game was all over the place, and then I started um, hanging out with them, and they were actually um, Mikey's some of uh, Mikey's main training partners. Mm -hmm. So they kind of, like, they had, like, the same um, kind of, um, what do you call it? Like philosophy almost. Philosophy on, like, jiu-jitsu, like, very technical. And so I, like, started training with them. This was when I was a purple belt, though. I started, um, I met them at a, at a Sunday open mat session, and I started training with them. And I started um, learning. They're very known for their, like, spider and, and lasso game. Yeah. So I started um, training with them and just learning from learning from them and to this day nice. basically so i noticed that you do a lot of that like foot on the bicep hand in the collar kind of like i've heard people call it like homolo guard yeah, or people call it homolo guard um they call it tarantula yeah tarantula is that kind of come from them um yeah I, I, from from kevin and brian they're very they're very that's very strong when they when they get to that position it's like they send me flying yeah it's like that one position that i know if i get caught in i'm like it's it's over you know i'm i'm, I'm already accepting bottom into like a better position <laughs> yeah but we, we we just call it color spider it's 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 a very strong position i think um if more people used it it could it could it could like benefit your game yeah totally i definitely see people fly when when good guard players put them in the position <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you talked yeah, about, like, your training sessions kind of, like, changing up a bit after, you know, working with Kevin and Brian and Mikey. So what? how were you kind of training before, and what changes did you make to your training after learning from them? So how I was training before, I think I just, before, before I, I like, ran into Kevin, um, Brian, and Mikey, and, oh, there's another training partner I have. His name is Ari Paulin. He's a uh, lightweight brown belt. He's also one of my main training partners. But before that, 
I think I, I think I didn't really have like a guide, you know. I think um, I would just just show up to training and just um, practice whatever. But I didn't have someone to. This is why I think it's very it's important to like even if you don't have high level training partners, like you should seek anybody, like someone around your area that's high level. Um, and if you don't, that's fine. You could always um, go on 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 like social media and and check or. You know, or go to seminars. There's always someone high level going there for a seminar. I yep. think if you don't have any, which I doubt, if you don't have any high level um, athletes around your area, which I doubt, you should always attend seminars because there's always seminars going around. You know, and I think it's it's how much you're willing to invest in your jujitsu. Yeah. You know, um, and basically, so if you do have someone right that's like high level in your area, then you should always like. Seek that, seek to train with them, and then learn from them. You know, and they're basically have been through it. You know, they have the experience. They could tell you, oh, you're doing this wrong. This is how you do it. You know, and they're not there to do everything for you. They're there to just give you a guide. And from there, once you build, like, I think um, I'm very big on concepts. You know, mm -hmm. I like concept learning because once you learn a concept, you can apply it to anything else. You know, in in jujitsu. So basically, and what I do in my training sessions now, it's like. I'm basically um, trying to be a more well-rounded athlete, you know. If I'm very good at Baron Bolo, that's good. I'm going to stop hitting that. I'm going to start working on in different positions, like maybe Del Hiva or Lasso, or maybe I just want to work on my passing. Yeah, definitely. So I, that's, I feel like that's another pretty big debate in jiu-jitsu is, is it better to be a specialist or is it better to be like well-rounded and be more of a jack-of-all-trades. So what's, what's your opinion on that? I know you kind of touched on it already, but mm -hmm. if you just kind of expound upon that, that point. Yeah, I think it's very, it's very good. Um, it'll benefit you a lot if you become a, a specialist in one position. Like it's like a position that you feel like if you get to on anyone, you could, you could finish, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like I feel like that when I, when I entered the Baron Bolo, I feel like that's one position that if, like it just doesn't matter who you are if I'm there, I'm going to finish. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a position that I, that I feel very comfortable just to finish on anyone if I get there, right? It's yeah. like there's some people that you might not even be able to get there, but if I get there, I just feel like very confident that I could finish it. But then if you, you just can't force people into that position. So if you can't, you know, then what, what happens next, you know? Then that's when you have to be more well-rounded in different positions. You may not be to the point where you could, you know, finish it on anyone, like be confidently like just finish on anyone, but you're just well-rounded in, in these positions, you know, just enough so that when you get to your position, you could finish. I think it's a, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of like a blend of, of both approaches. So what, what's your advice for someone who, because I feel, I feel like this in a lot of positions, like I feel like I force things too much. And you talked about coming from that mindset and into a mindset where you're trying to be like, I don't know, maybe more technical or use less strength or just kind of take what your opponent gives you. So what would be your advice for someone who feels like they're forcing stuff too much and is trying to change their game and be more responsive, responsive to what their opponent has given them? Yeah, so I just feel that, like, after you do a training round, you should, like, ask yourself, like, like of course, you're going to have hard rounds. You're going to have people who give you hard rounds where yeah. you're going to have to give everything you have. But maybe rolling with a blue belt, you know, or maybe a purple belt or a low, just a lower belt in general, if you feel like very gassed after that round, maybe it could be a very high level purple belt, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, some, yeah. like if you just feel like you use strength in certain positions or sometimes you just got frustrated because it wasn't working, so you just went, you know, you got like you used strength to get it, you know, or you got tired of it, then you, you need to realize you like you did, you did it, you did use it too wrong, you know? You're like, I, there should have been an other opening. You know, as I was trying to attack this position, there was another, and he was defending it, he was giving me something else. Yeah. You know, sometimes, mm -hmm. like, there's this, um, like, if you go for a Baron Bolo, right, from bottom position, to defend it, they're going to have to give up a sweep to fully defend a Baron Bolo. So if they're not giving you the back, then you can take the sweep, you know, and then like yeah. that, you're just, but then that's when it comes to being very well-rounded, because if you're not good at passing the guard, then you're not going to want to come up for the sweep, so you're going to be trying yeah. to force the back take, and then you're going to get tired because they're not giving you the back take. You see how that like yeah, how it totally. works? Yeah, yeah. You know, full circle. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's why it's very important that we sh we should be like well rounded. 
Yeah, totally. And that um, makes sense too, because you talked about like you do want to have those positions where you're really strong, but you also want to be able to be comfortable in every position because if your opponent's giving you something that you're not super strong in, you still want to be able to take it and capitalize. Exactly. Exactly. It's like yeah, it's exactly. It's like um, you you want to make your jujitsu flow. You want to be willing to be anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, because I don't think anyone who's been who's great at jujitsu has been like you've seen them like just. Um, like a one-trick pony, you know, like always yeah. want to be in one position. Like, look at Hafa Mendes. He is good from everyone. He will pass your guard. He will sweep you. He will submit you. Um, any, anyone who's at the top, at the top level, like Shane right now. Shane um, Hill-Taylor, he's very um, dominant on both playing bottom, playing top, you know, basically doing anything. Fabricio, Andre, very yeah. good on top and bottom. Mikey also. He hasn't really been able to showcase his top game, but his top game is really is really good too. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> so you you talked about some of the guys that you learned from, like Mikey and Brian and Kevin. But have you had a time in your career, like before you met them, where you were kind of looking to like outside sources, maybe stuff online, or you mentioned seminars? Was that a big part of your training before you came into contact with those guys? Um, I think big big part, like someone I would look up to a lot was Keenan Cornelius, mm-hmm. a lot. He, I think I had a, I had a warm guard phase. <laughs> when I was like, 13, I had a warm guard phase. All I, all I would do is like warm guard. He was actually the first, um, the first person that, because I, I wasn't really following jujitsu when I was younger. I wasn't really following jujitsu. Like this was like when I was 12 or 13, I really didn't know who these guys were. Um, so someone came up to me and they were like, oh, you don't follow jujitsu. Like why? Like, you should definitely like get into following who these guys are. So I had no idea um, who any of these guys were. So I think um, I picked up a mag once and I saw the front cover was Keenan Cornelius as a, as a brown belt. And I was like, who is this guy? And so I searched him up and I realized he had a very incredible guard. And I was like, I want an incredible guard too. So I started <laughs> seeing what he was doing and then I saw he was playing warm guard. Then I, I had a, like a huge warm guard phase. I started using it on everyone in training. But then I, I eventually um, stopped using warm guard because I felt like it was making the rest of my jiu-jitsu lazy. And that goes back to the whole, you don't want to be good at just one thing. You yeah. know? So I have like a, a, a little warm guard game that I, I, don't, I keep it back in. Back, back pocket. Just, back, yeah, back pocket. I just refuse to use it. No, no. I don't know. I'm anti-lapel. I just feel like it slows the game down, and I'm very yeah. big on, on non-stalling. So if, I just refuse to use the lapel. I just think... Um, it kills the game. I don't know if you're a lapel guard player. I'm not. Do you play lapel? No, no lapels. <laughs> not um, really. I mean, maybe a little bit. There's, there's some cool, cool like, I like, like, like jokes. Um, or maybe if you use if you use warm guard, you know, to sweep. But I just feel like it's it's a loophole. You know, you don't have to sweep from there. You could tie someone up and just hold the position there if you're up yeah. on advantages. I mean, it works. You know, in IBJJF, it, it works. But if for the audience, it's just not not fun to to see. You know, and I want my jujitsu to be. Uh, uh, some the jiu-jitsu for the audience to see. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's very important because you don't know where the where the sport is gonna go into. And if your if your jiu-jitsu is um, is fun for the audience to see, then then you you can you can um, thrive in any in any rule set. Totally. You know. So what's your opinion? Because there was some stuff, some chatter about the IBJJF, uh, the rules after the Worlds. I know Bouchesha said some stuff about changes he'd like to see. There were some other people commenting about it, but what were your thoughts on some of the um, some of the black belt matches? Like, Do you think the rules are okay? Do you think it's just because their levels are so close? Or do you think there needs to be some changes to make the matches more exciting? I, I think I saw Bouchesha, he brought up, um, I think he brought up, that black belt matches should be what six minutes. Yeah, he wanted six minutes. That was matches. one of them. Yeah. I, I I think I agree with that. I actually did the AJP tour. I didn't win that tournament, but I really liked that they had like a consolation bracket, so I was able yeah. to yeah. Um, win three three rounds and get third place. It was it was a, it was a fun tournament. I I really enjoyed the rule set. There was one rule that it's a it's a it's a little weird because I'm so used to it. It's like the the butt grip yeah. or the hip <laughs> grip that they took that out. But um, but other than that, I really enjoyed the the pace of the fight, I just felt like it was just nonstop action, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's also weird because advantages are points, yeah. um, penalties are points. So it really, like, it increases the action. And even if, even if you're, let's say you're winning 4-2 or, like, yeah, if you're up by 2 and you're on top, if the person on bottom scores, 
they win. Yeah. So what is that? You have to like stay active on top, you know, because if they sweep you in the end, you are done. You know, like they, 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 yeah, they basically win. You know, last they scored score. last. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no ref referee decision. You know, there's no bias. Um, I feel like that's also very common in the sport. Bias. Um, just, just there's some people out there that that are just very comfortable in because they know the ref. You know, even though they're not on the same team, they just know the ref. And that could really, like, damage the sport. So I think if you implement a, a way where it's, like, there is no ref decision, then um, I think the, the sport could go in, like, um, a positive way. Yeah, I don't know if you know uh, Leo Silva, but he's a black belt. He competed in the lightweight division from GF Leo, team. Yeah, so. He came on uh, right after the Worlds to just talk about, like, the rules and, and just break down all the divisions and stuff. And that was one of the things he mentioned. He thinks the refs have too much power. So, like, a ref can basically – it's so subjective sometimes – that, like, the ref basically can control the match if it's dead even. Yeah, I think um, that whole last to score, I think it's, it's a great addition because it, now it's not up to the athletes. You know, it's not up to the ref. You know, they, you don't leave it to the ref. Unless it's a 0-0 zero, zero match where even after overtime, because I think they do overtime, um, then it's a ref's decision. You know, it's 0-0, zero, zero, no one scored. But if it's, like, a fight where... You know, it's maybe two, four, two. You know, it's up to the to the, to the athletes. You know, to decide for even or if if the match is tied four four, it's last to score. You know, yeah. it's you already have a, a a winner decided, and the athletes know that they already know that the person that's last to, that scores last is gonna win when it's tied. Yeah, it's definitely, cool. A, that, definitely cool. I think that's a great rule. So I I don't know if IBGF are gonna implement that, but I definitely think that shorter times is a would be a good um would be a good addition, you know. It, I just feel like it's, it's like they you start at white belt six minutes and then they just increase it every belt and just, the audience just can't spectators just can't be watching a fight for just like ten minutes, especially in IBJJF rules. You know, they could probably watch a a nogi sub only for ten minutes because, I mean, even longer too, right? Um, just because some people think that nogi is more exciting. You know? Yeah, there's more but, movement, kind of more positional exchanges, mm -hmm. but. I just feel like yeah. uh, um, I just feel like in the gi, ten minutes is probably too long. Yeah, you know, I've I've done six minutes in AJP and I was just as tired, or probably even more tired than doing a eight minute match in um, IBJJF, just yeah. because they they push the the pace more. Also, there's like ten second stall calls in AJP. I think in IBJJF it's twenty. Yeah, those are actually some of my favorite matches. I like the World Pro matches. Like, those were so yeah. fun to watch this last World Pro. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think, honestly, as a gi practitioner myself, watching IBJJF matches, unless I don't know the, the athletes, it's very hard to watch, very hard to stay, stay watching um, the fights, um, just because it can get boring. You know, no one wants to watch 50-50 lapel stalling. At AJP, I actually found myself watching... Every match that I started watching, I'd watch, I'd, I'd finish from the start to the end, you know. Even though there, there is possibility that it could, it could end to, like, some 50-50 stalling, it's just, yeah. you don't really see it a lot. For some reason, I just wasn't seeing it a lot. Yeah, I don't know, it's, that's true. I mean, maybe because of the advantage rule where it's a point or the last to score, it just seems like there's more action. And the shorter time yeah. frame, it's probably a combination probably of everything. Yeah, I think another thing is um, just um, the whole advantages, um, transferring into points, just makes it also feel like the, the fight is, um, is, um, has a faster pace because in IBJJF, if it's 2-2 and someone keeps scoring advantages from bottom, you won't really see too much, too much action from the person on bottom because there's like, it's, like, it's, like a, it's, um, it's a term that they, call it, that they say it's a checkmate. You know? If you're in guard and you're up on advantages, it's the match is checkmated. Yeah, you the know? guy the can't pass your guard, that's the it. The guy who can't pass your guard, it's done. You know? like, it, and... Uh, I use that to my advantage too because it's just why not, you know? Yeah, you have to. But at AJP, side. I feel like that's not the case. Yeah. I feel like at AJP, that's that's not really the case because you, advantages can come from anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be up 3-2 in your guard and the person just almost passes, scores an advantage, and guess yeah. what? Now he's winning because he scored last. You see how crazy yeah. that is? It's like yeah. it, it makes the fight exciting. It changes so I, I everything. I think AJP <laughs> rules is the is the way to go. That's I, awesome. I, I'm a huge huge fan of that. That's awesome. Yeah, and I know just from watching your matches at the Pans and the Worlds that you're not the type of person who likes to hold a position. You like to attack the whole time. 
And you mentioned that yeah. that's something you want to do because of like super fights too. And I feel like yeah, yeah. one of the one of the things that the pandemic did to jiu-jitsu that really changed it since there weren't as many tournaments was that the super fight scene really I felt like that was the main focus. It was no longer like the IBJJF Worlds, obviously, because they were not taking place, but like the who's number one replaced it. Like there was fight to wins going on, EUG, third coast, stuff like that. So are there those type of events that you like aspire to compete in? Are there any ones in particular that you feel like are the best or your favorite at least? Um, I like fight to win. I think I wish, um, well, I just don't, I wasn't traveling as much to do them. But every time they're here in like in, in Miami, I always um, always make a priority to to get on those events. I think they're good for exposure, mm-hmm. and I really like the not not have to worry about points. Yeah. I think if I could do more gi super fights, which I think it, they're pretty rare, like gi super fights, I think I would definitely be be on top of those. I think they're fun because all I get to worry about is really jujitsu. I would be very excited if they come out with a who's number one in the gi. Yeah, there's a rumor that there is, so. Be very excited for that, and I really hope I can get on that one and, you know, just uh, shock the world. Yeah, that'd be I want awesome. a big name. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, you, you deserve it. You won the two biggest titles at Brown Belt, so. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about those tournaments? Like, what it was like winning the Pans and the Worlds? Like, obviously, those are, like, the two most coveted titles in Gi Jiu-Jitsu, so what was it like when, yeah. you, when you were on top of the podium at those, at those tournaments? You know, it's, it's crazy because... When you don't, uh, I just feel, I don't know how to word this, but it's like I come from like a small group, you know, like in Miami. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> um, okay, so I come, it's like I come from a, a small group. Um, people, the people that are around me, I feel like really, besides Kevin and Brian, they have like really good wins, you know, like they actually were a big, huge part to my success because my my mentality before training with them wasn't um, up there. You know, maybe my jiu-jitsu was good, but my mentality in jiu-jitsu, like my mindset, my mindset wasn't great. Um, before I was actually, before I started training with them, my mindset was actually, um, you know, how could it be me, you know, to win? I don't know if I'm, if I'm, if I'm like, if I have the accolades to, to take this, you know, title. And yeah. just by, just thinking like that, it's like, it, it could, you're already losing. You know, and they showed me that, you know, even though they're not very known in the jiu-jitsu community, they have a couple good wins, you know, with high-level grapplers. And they showed me, like, you could win on any given day, you know. And I think, like, that kind of mindset helped me get ready for, for this year's PANS and, and um, the Worlds. It's like, it doesn't matter who's in division. I think on any given day, you know, if you, if you prepared, you know, if you, if you did the proper training, you could win. You know, and I think that's something I was missing um, in my previous competitions. It was like, especially at the majors, I just, I just didn't visualize myself winning the tournament. I was there, and if I won, I would probably, like, lose my shit. You know, like, <laughs> I would, like, lose my shit, like, if I won, you know? And it wasn't like, um, it was different at the, when I was at the Pans. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, if I win, this is, this is unexpected, you know? It started feeling like, I'm going to win this, you know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win... What was crazy is like when I won it, I just didn't, be- I couldn't believe it because I had never won something like that, you know. And then I, I think that that was very good. Um, because it's like I already, since I already won a major, I can put that behind me, and it won't be something that will surprise me, you know, in the future. Yeah, it's not like you hanging know, like, over your head. Like, you could kind of be yourself. Yeah, I think it was more of, like, the excitement of winning a major, you know, and I think most of us, like, go through that, you know. They want, you want to win a major super, like, super badly, and that was me. I wanted to win a major at Blue Bell. I didn't. I wanted to win a major at, at Purple. I, I couldn't. Uh, and then at Brown Bell, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. If I don't, it's okay, but I'm going to go in there and um, with the mindset of, like, thinking that anybody can win on any given day. And so when I won... It was just crazy because I really, I really worked hard for that, for the, for the, for the title. But it was just crazy, you know, to actually see the the medal around my neck, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I never, I never imagined for something like that to happen, starting like starting jujitsu or uh, in my blue belt days. You know, I thought it was go- it was gonna happen more likely at blue or at purple. I just didn't imagine at brown belt, you know. And now it's like, it's like a reality. And then when I did when I won at brown belt worlds, it was just crazy because I just. 
you know it was the, the emotions were just crazy it was just like a crazy experience you know that's here i am yeah it's so crazy that and your you know, first I, major was at brown belt pan ams and then you win it brown again at worlds and then i won <laughs> at worlds you know and i just feel like um i'm already thinking about what i'm gonna do at black, at black belt i'm not like settling you know but i just th- i just think that that whole experience was just crazy you know yeah and even if i didn't win i think um I was telling myself that even if I didn't win the world, it was like, it's okay. You know, like, it wasn't like that I was satisfied with what I did at Pants. It was just like, it's not the end of the world, you know. Black belt's coming, and, or, or the next year at Brown Belt, um, I can do it again. But it was like, um, it's just a weird feeling. Like, I, I, I brought this earlier with Mateus Gabriel. It's like, he, you know how he was playing very conservative in his at featherweight you know, winning every, he won every match by two points, and now you see him fighting, he's like submitting people. I think that maybe in his mind, he hasn't won a Black Bowl World title, and after he won it, I just feel like maybe he's letting loose, you know, and I don't want to compare my, my title to a Black Belt um, major, you know. No, it's, it's just your, your mindset, I understand. Um, actually, look, um, another example, Mikey, you know, his first year, first year that he won, he won every single fight, almost every single fight, I think, by advantages, and then he told everybody that he didn't want to do that for the second time he went yeah. for the Black Bowl Worlds. He went there and he, like, he, he went there for most, he submitted most of, I, I know the last one he just submitted every, no, he submitted his first two fights and then took Bruno's back. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's like, it's like once you win a major, your mindset slowly changes. You start letting loose. I think I was, I felt a lot more loose at the Worlds than at the Pans. I was playing more conservative at the Pans. I think I won every fight except one by two points. And then at the Worlds, I just went out there and I hit Baron Bolos on it. Yeah, you were really aggressive at the Worlds. (laughs) That was crazy. I went went there. I wanted it, you know. That was awesome. And then what? So I think that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, no, you were saying? I was just going to ask what it was like because, like, obviously you made that mindset change. Like, even though you wanted to focus on the Worlds, like, I'm sure winning the Pans and then, you know, just winning that major title was such, like, a huge weight off your shoulders and it was probably such a crazy experience. But then what was it like getting your black belt on the podium? That had to have been crazy, too. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it, it, it was crazy. Um, my, my friend Ari was telling me, like, he's one of my main training partners. He was like, he's basically told me, he's like, no, if you win Brown Belt Worlds, like, you're going to you, you, get promoted. And I'm like, <laughs> stop, I'm not, I'm not going to get promoted. And, and so when I won Brown Belt Worlds, I, like, like looked at him like, oh, I'm getting, am I getting promoted in my head? And then Brian and Kevin just walked up, to, like, they walked up out of nowhere and just, like, got their black belt. And I was like, oh, oh, my God. It was kind of like I was expecting it, but at the same time, I was like, not expecting you know it was it was just it was a like crazy you know um i just feel like when if anybody ever like wins like the world's at their color bow it's like why why keep going you know like yeah. you know i i am i think that i most most of the people that won at one worlds at brown belt got promoted i think yeah um, a lot. yeah i would say most of them yeah, or even if you even most that won pans got promoted you know at the year i feel like if you win pans or mainly worlds I think it's like you're ready for the for the next challenge. Yeah. You know, maybe not a blue belt, um, but definitely like a brown belt. I think if you, you know you've been brown belt almost a year and you go and you win worlds, I think um, I think you should get promoted. What do you think about the uh, time restrictions on belts, Robbie JJF? <laughs> oh, I know. I'm, I'm going to be stuck here for a couple months. <laughs> yeah, one of my teammates won but, worlds at purple, and then we we're. Just, I was just thinking about it, and then we were talking a little bit, and it's like, oh, he hasn't hit a year at Purple yet, so he can't get promoted. Yeah, I haven't hit a year. Yeah, you have to be a year and a half. Or a year and a half. That's yeah, crazy. that's right. Year at Brown, right? Yeah, one year at Brown. I, I actually hit a year. Well, I'm a black belt, but I would hit a year in March, at the end of March. So I think I'll be good to, to be able to do the. Oh, awesome. Sweet. Awesome. That'll be, yeah, because it's, I think it's, when is the Pan Am? The Pan Ams is in April. April. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I'll, I'll be good. Yeah. I'll be good to go. Yeah, Europeans are February, Pan Am's April. Yeah, so I won't be able to do the Europeans, but that's okay. i just focus on the other majors. I think yeah. I'm going to do the Pans, do Nationals, hopefully, and, and then for sure Worlds. Awesome. And yeah, I also like that they're doing the, um, the Pan Am's in Orlando. So, like, you have a major in the East Coast Trials, and then you have a major in the West Coast Trials. Yep. I think, that, yep. I think that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I like that, too. And it seems like they're going to probably stick to that, just based on the fact that they've done the last few Pans in, in Florida. Yeah. So thank you, COVID. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're the reason. <laughs> so uh, you won the light feather division. That's like one of the one of my favorite divisions to watch. I would say like light feather through 
middle are all like some of my favorites to watch just personally. Yeah. But who from the Light Feather division do you particularly like to watch? Or if you don't want to single out a specific person, like what do you think of that no. division in general? I think that division is very is actually uh, very fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's it contains mostly guard players. Yeah. Like that division, I think contains mostly guard players. Some 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 mostly guard players, but there's some guard passers out there. I mean, look at uh, there's Diogo out there. Yeah. You know, has very crazy um, top game. I've been watching him because I know that I might be facing him too. You know, I have to be ready for everything. Um, been studying a lot of Diego Pato. Yeah, he's got some good passes. He's, he's probably the most I've been watching Diego Pato. Yeah. Um, just yeah. analyze. I know that I'm going to be facing him too. Um, there's others out there that I, I still have to study, and just just be ready for them. You know, at the majors. You know, because I feel like in the color belts you could face anyone. So there's no really point in studying people in the color belts unless it's like a. You know, he's a, he, it's someone that you've faced already multiple times. Yeah. But at black, though, it's like there's only a select few, you know, that you're always going to see in every comp. In every IBJJF, it's always, like, the same couple of guys. So definitely study, studying, you know, studying matches is going gonna, is gonna to play a huge role into, into black belt. Did you study the uh, black belt division or the light feather division at the Worlds? Um, I don't think I really watched all the matches. I think um, I saw a couple, but it was, it was mainly... Um, Mainly Diego Pato's fights. Yeah, no, he was <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Was like, unbelievable. Yeah, he, he was on fire. I, I'm just very excited to to test myself. Yeah, I like how his game has kind of changed over the years, too. I felt like earlier at Black Belt, he was using a lot more lapel, and now he's using yeah, a little bit less of it. So it's, it's just really interesting to watch him play. Yeah, he's he's more well Like I said, he's a lot more well-rounded, you know? He was always... He was always I think he was always well-rounded, I think, but he just... It was like the lapels were... We're giving him so much success. It's like why, why ditch him, you know, you know. And maybe I feel like maybe um, he's ran ran into a couple of people who are good at shutting them down. Yeah. So he had to expand his game, or yeah, ex- expand his game and and um, to to not be more predictable. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah, definitely. But you, he 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 showed it, you know, at the worlds. So it would be good. Um, and Mayram is another one. Yeah. Out there, they had that was a crazy fight. He's fun to know? watch. I think I, <laughs> That's one fight I did see. I did see them, Mayram and Diego Pato. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Light Feather should be exciting. Um, excited for everyone. So what are what are some of your goals in in that division? Like outside of winning, like I know you want to win the worlds, the pans, Europeans, yeah, yeah, all the IBJJF majors. But what are some of your goals in competition outside of those tournaments? Um, I think um, showcase my passing. That's I awesome. feel like awesome. I haven't I haven't been able to showcase my passing as much. I think. Cause I'm so focused on on doing my game, you know, like going the the route where I think it's gonna guarantee me the most success. But I think as a as a grappler, I should be able to be be able to play anywhere, you know, be able to play top. Doesn't matter where I'm at, where I'm positioned, I, I can you know come out come out with the win. I think um, I'd be sh- showcasing a lot more a lot more of my passing if I get to do more super fights. You know, because it's a it's a it's a weird um, transition. You know, um, I see it. I notice with a lot of grapplers who normally play guard, it's like when they start playing top, it's like you know when people double pool, one person usually comes up, right? And if that guard player comes up and loses because of that, you know, maybe yeah. he's gonna think, oh, I should have just stayed bottom. You know, and I don't want that to happen to me. You know, it's like yeah. it's gonna be very frustrating. So I think um, uh, I'm, my plan is to show. Be more comfortable in my top game, especially in because I play a lot of top in my training. I really play a lot, a lot of top, a lot of top um, in my training. But for some reason, when it comes to the competition, I just feel more comfortable playing bottom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it'll be something that that um, that's probably one of my one of my goals for the next year is to be able to showcase my top game. That's cool. I like that your goal is like to showcase a part of your game rather than to like win a specific thing. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, of course, I, I always want to always want to win uh, like different titles, yeah. but yeah. I think I just at Black Belt I just want to compete as much as possible. You know. Yeah, I think especially like that first year. I think that's such a good strategy. Like you saw Tynan do like every IBJJF Open, and then by the time he got to the Worlds, he'd already beaten most of the guys in the division. <laughs> so I feel like that's such a good yeah, strategy yeah. to just like compete as much as you can right when you get your Black Belt. I see a lot of guys doing that and having a lot of success. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Just just compete as much as possible and 
and get get the experience, you know. Definitely. And I think it's better to also like sign up in divisions where the the top guys are in, mm-hmm. you know, because there's yeah. no point in signing up divisions where the top guys aren't in, you know, maybe to feel better about yourself, I guess. Like, <laughs> but you know, like I always want the hard brackets, yeah. you know. I want the hard brackets. It's not really about the metal. There's a lot of people out there that really care about the metal, but it's it's not really about the metal. It's more about your like your progression, like your your self progression. You know, you know. It's like what what you did to earn that medal. You know, because it could be a second place medal, but you took out like you know beat like yeah. um, took out high level guys. You know, definitely. So I'm not really like a, a social media boy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there's a lot of people out there that I call social media boys. Um. You know, you know, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot there's of social media boys out there. Um, even though I think social media is great, you should. I, should um, I think I need to be more active on social media to to um, grow my brand. But I'm just not. I'm just so focused on on um, like just just performing. Yeah. You know, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Yeah, have, it's a double edged sword. I feel. Yeah, yeah, because because a lot of like social media boys, they get a lot of a lot of exposure, yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, like they sign up and they just, they, they could, they literally sign up in a, in a division where there's no one in it, you know, take gold and then post, Hey, I took gold, <laughs> you know, I'm not about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care about that stuff. It's like, if I win, I win. If I don't, that's it. That's funny. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so what advice <laughs> would you give to someone? This is a question I like to ask for, for people who are, yes. are kind of new to, to black belt and you're like still very close to that, like colored belt period of your career. So like, what advice would you give to someone who's maybe like a young teenager and they want to make jujitsu their career? And they're kind of like looking at the scene right now. And it's like, IBJJF is still big, but super fights are really kind of taking over. Like what, what advice would you give to someone who wants to make jujitsu their career, whether they want to be like a competitor or a full-time coach, or whatever. They just want to make money from the sport. What do you think would be the best? Win and, you know, be successful and make money from the sport, not just make money. So the biggest advice is um, it just depends on how you, what you want to, like, accomplish. Because like, I think um, you could be a great coach. You know, that, any, I think anybody, not anybody can become a great coach, but I think that's more, that's more acquirable, right, being a great coach. Because you, you first need to learn jujitsu and just train as much as possible and then learn how to teach people. You know, I think that's, it's not expensive, you know, to be, to learn how to teach jujitsu. You know, just practice and you see what's the best way that people can learn. I feel like if you don't become successful successful in the competition um, scene, you could always go back to being a jujitsu instructor. And I've seen many jujitsu instructors that aren't well known, but they're very great at teaching, marketing, you know, you could always branch out from that, you know, you don't have to be well-known, um, I think that's just a plus, right, now, if, if you want to be, like, high level and be successful in competition, I think you definitely need to use your surroundings to your advantage, you know, anything, anything that's in, that's in your, in your surroundings, like, use it to your advantage, you know, um, like, if I live near a a high level, a world class gym. I would take fully advantage of that, you know. But if I don't, I will go to a gym that has high level competitors and train with them, you know. Just, just like use your surroundings to your advantage. And if you don't have that, then you can always opt to like traveling out of state, you know. And with that, it's like, oh, what if I don't have money to go out of state? Well, where where are your priorities? Are you working, you know? Because if you're working, are you going? Are you, are you um? What's that word? Are you like going out at night, you know, in the weekend, spending all your money that you're making, you know, drinking and, yeah. and um, or just having fun or, you know, messing around, then you're not, your priority isn't to get better jujitsu. You know, it's like you're not using, it's like, you, it's like how bad do you really want it, you know? Do you, d- d- yeah. Does the gym really need to be five minutes from, from your house for you to be able to train full time and get to where you want to be? Because if that's the case, if you're dependent on, on being the, the best you can be, based on like how far the jiu-jitsu gym is or how easy it is to access information, then it's not really meant for you. You know, look at, look at all the greats. They, they, don't, they don't really like, it's not about like um, who they had. It was like what they did on the side, what, what they, with the extra work. Because, you know, you could train with, with a high level um, 
athlete or coach, you could train with them, but if you don't do the work on the side, they can't, they can't like spoon feed you, you know, what to, how to, how yeah. to be, how to be a champion, you know, how to win. So I think, um, you, you could be with anyone. That's great. But it's like, you have to do, do the extra work. You know, I, I think that's a, that's a huge part. You have to do the extra work. Um, for me, I just use whatever is in my, whatever is in my area to my advantage, you know? For me, it's cross-train as like, much as possible, so that's what I, that's what I do, you know? Um, if, I don't, if I don't have any, any trainings, then I would go online and see what's out there, study jujitsu, and then try to implement that in my training, whatever I learned in, through the footage, you know? Or I'll ask questions. I'm like, what do you think about this position? And then they would give me their feedback, you know? And then I'll go to someone else. It's like a, it's like a, it's a lot, but I think it's most of it, like, don't have, don't have an excuse, you know? Oh, the gym is too yeah. far, you know? It's like, if you don't have a car, then work, save, save money, get a car. It doesn't have to be an expensive car. Just get a car, and then, you know, you can start driving to your training sessions. Um, I think it's just uh, what, what you're willing to do, you know, to, to be able to get to where you want. Yeah, so it sounds like it's just, like, make jiu-jitsu your priority and just find a way to make it happen. Like, it doesn't matter if your gym exactly. is an hour away. Like, if that's the best training, you have to do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the, biggest, um, the biggest advice I could give someone. That's awesome. You know, because awesome. if they have to rely on high-level high level training partners or, or a world-class instructor, it's like, then jiu-jitsu is not for you. You know, you just want to be spoon-fed. And most, most athletes in the world, they... It's like you notice not everyone has access to that, you know? Not everyone has access to an AOJ, you know? Everyone has access to um, Marshall Andre, you know? Yeah. Like, or, 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 access, or access to Mikey, you know? And I think you, you could get access to that through seminars, you know? You know? But that, then again, it's like how much are you willing to invest in your jiu-jitsu, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, look at Levi Jones, straight from Australia, mm-hmm. you know? He invested in his jiu-jitsu like greater than almost almost anyone I know it's like um he went from Australia and traveled to New York you know to yeah. train to train at unity you know it's like it's like you don't need a world class gym but like it benefits you you know yeah that was and what he felt would help him and he made the sacrifice to know, get out there so exactly yeah. making the sacrifice like um investing in his jiu jitsu you know so but it's not like it's not like he was dependent on that, you know? It's not like he was dependent on that. He was there for a while, and then he goes back to Australia, and then he trains there, you know? It's like, it's like, oh, because I'm not at Unity, that's it, my jiu-jitsu career is done. No, I'm gonna keep training and, you know, improve in the best way I can. Totally. So I think um, biggest advice I could give other competitors is, you know, never, never have an excuse, you know? No excuses, basically. That's great you know? advice. That's great advice. Basically, you know? Yeah. I mean, what do you think? You know, like, it's like, you go out and get it yourself, you know? Totally. No one's going to do it for you. 100%. And I think, like you said, too, even if you are at one of those world-class gyms, you still have to be doing the extra work, and it's ultimately on you. Of course, of course. Like, your instructors can give you all the best information, but if you're not putting it to use and practicing it, troubleshooting it, it's never going to really make you better. Yeah. Always have to do the extra work. Definitely. Yeah. And just, and just... Sorry, and just, no, go ahead, and just go doing ahead. like, go ahead, go ahead. and just doing the instructor's class. It's like, you just don't want to, don't want to just do that class. So like, I, I had, I had brought that up in my, in one of my stories. It's like they asked me how, how long do you usually train for? And mm-hmm. my, my training sessions aren't, it's, it isn't crazy. It's, I literally just do like an hour and a half a day. Yeah. And you know, you know, you hear many, many people, um, claim to. There's some that I believe, but there's some that, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't believe it, you know, training six hours a day. It's like, what, you know, like, you know, I, I, I've, I've been to high level gyms and they don't, they don't train that much either. You know, it's like, you know, and I don't consider like, if you do classes, it's training, but I just feel like some classes just don't have the same intensity, you know, because maybe you could do an hour class and then 30 minutes of that was, was like technique where you're chatting with your boys or you're chatting with your friends. And then the, the last 30 minutes is like you do five rounds and then you took like two off. You know, so how much time did you really train in that session? So you, you can aim to train an hour, but in reality you probably train like, act like really hard training, maybe like 20 minutes, you know? But who has time to do that? So they go, oh, I just, I, I did, you did three classes? Oh, I trained three hours today. No, buddy, you train like maybe 30 minutes <laughs> or maybe, maybe a full hour of, 
of actual training. So I, I, my, I try to make it to the point where my training sessions are as produ productive as possible. So in the hour and 30 minutes, I'm actually like not chatting with anyone. It's like hard training. Um, most of the time it's like eight eights, you know, eight minute sessions, you know, you know eight minute, eight, eight minute, eight rounds, mm -hmm. you know, just, um, but not every round I'm going super intense. Maybe I just want to work on a position with this person, you know, and I try to hit the position, position as many times as possible. Or sometimes we do specific training, but it's like that whole hour and a half, it's like we're, we're active, you know? So I, that's why, I, I, that's another thing. I think making your training sessions as productive as possible and always having a plan for that day, I think that's very, very beneficial. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that a little bit more because, um, yeah, I do see a lot of people say like, oh, I train eight hours a day. But like you said, it's more about like yeah. the actual amount of time that you're doing work. Like you could do a two-hour class, but you can only put in 30 minutes of work during that time depending on the class. So yeah. what um, what are some of the ways that you've made your training like really efficient for you so you make sure you're getting the most out of all the time that you're on the mat? So that's where I'm I was going to go with is like – I don't feel like like the traditional jiu-jitsu class, like the outward class, I, you know, I feel like that's more for like the hobbyist, mm -hmm. the instructor class of 30-minute technique and then 30-minute um, sparring. I see a lot of people that do that. I think the, at the end of the day, it's like when you want to be a, like if you're trying to be a like high-level competitor, you have to make your own training, Yeah. you know, um, because you could have a, I mean, not that you have to make your own training because there are some coaches out there that could Form, for, form a training session, you know, for the competitors. You know, I've, I was, um, I've been to, to AOJ, and they have, like, different classes that, you know, that it's just not teach, and then they do, they train. It's like, more, they can also do, you know, competition training. You know, they have, a, they have sessions just for competition, you know, but not every gym has access to that. Most gyms, it's like a night class, and and um, base or morning class, and it's basically like you know they teach, and then you do the, your training. And I just haven't found too much like productivity in those trainings. So I made it to a point to look and train at gyms where it's like it's like um, it's basically like, basically like open open mat style. You know, I basically go in there and I know already what I want to work on, and you basically know if it if it works. You know, if you start hit, hitting the position and start like studying the, stu basically studying jujitsu through your your training partner's reactions, you know, and I'm fortunate enough to have really great training partners. You know, that's another that's a big plus. You know, having good training partners that are trying to get better every day. You know. So when you say think, study um, your training, like study jujitsu through your training partner's reactions, is that like during your role? Yeah, yeah, like during my role, I'll be like, <laughs> I'll like, I'll try something, and if it doesn't work, I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try different. A different approach the next time I get to this to this position, you know, and and something that I've that I also have done it's like I I don't bring it up as much, but it's um when you train don't hold back, you know, just just do jujitsu, just just um just keep attacking until you fail. That's how I see it. You know, you keep attacking until you fail, and if you fail, you correct it, and then guess what? When you start attacking, you don't get stopped there. You just keep you keep going. And then eventually you're gonna get stopped again. And so what you gotta do is like you gotta see how am I getting stopped, you know? So it's like you learn, you keep it's like nonstop learning, you know. So in my training sessions, I'm like, you don't really see it a lot in competition because in IBJJF, it's it's a strategy, you know. IBJJF I see as a it's a, it's a strategy, you know. Like people are there to not fight. Most people that I've that that I've competed against, I felt like they're not there to fight. They're there to win, you know. But in the training sessions. Um, I'm very like um, pro, like you know, always attacking. Just you know, who cares about winning the round? Just just at attack as much as possible. You know, I used to be be like that in training sessions where I cared so much about you know winning the round, and I think that would hold me back as much. And I'm not sure how many people do that nowadays. You know, because sometimes I I sometimes think that a bunch of people think the way I do, and I think I think that's it's. It's true that a lot of people do think the way I do, but the reality is, is that there's a lot of people that don't, you know, and they treat training as like as competition, and I think that that will hold you back, you know. So there's like a, a lot of I'm kind of all over the place. No, that um, makes with perfect the, with the advice, <laughs> but it's like so much, so many ideas in my mind um, that that it's like it's hard to 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 say. Um, 
but I think um, leaving the ego, you know, it's like easier said than done, you know, because no one likes getting their guard passed, you know, no one likes to get their back taken or choked out, you know, but when you have really great training partners, it's like it doesn't matter because you're all there together, you're all there um, learning, you know, it's like I don't surround myself with people who, who um, really go there to just like, um, like just go there to just win the round, you know, yeah. like just win the round and, and like celebrate, or you know, you could just ego. tell, just, yeah. yeah, you could just tell based on the energy because when they have that energy, they don't open up, you know, when people have that kind of energy, it's very hard for them to open up in the training. So you could just tell, and I'm very fortunate to have training partners who don't care about that. They just go out there and I guess they try to kill me you know, <laughs> and then I try to kill them. You know, it's very good to have those kind of training partners, you know, um, so you could just tell based on the energy, like people who just don't like to open up, you know, in the training, it's mainly because you have a built in ego, you know? So yeah. it sounds like almost like you're trying to like attack until like train until you make the mistake. Cause then you need something mm -hmm. to correct, mm -hmm. which is exactly. really, really interesting. So, yeah, exactly. You, that's how, that's another mindset I was able to, to form. It's like, um, because I, I, I wouldn't open up in training, you know. I, I wouldn't open up until I felt it was safe to attack. But it holds, it doesn't make your training productive. You know, you always want to be on the move. You always want to be able to attack uh, at any place, you know. And some, another thing that, that I also tell myself, it's like, if I'm in a position for more than 20 seconds or 30 seconds and I can't get out, this is a problem. This is a huge problem because what if I'm down on points with 30 seconds left. Yeah. I can't, I can't afford that. You know, I, I give myself, I'm sometimes I'm too, I'm too hard on myself. Like if, even if it's 20 seconds, you know, if I'm on bottom for 20 seconds, I'm, I'm too hard on myself. I'm like, this shouldn't happen. I should be able to sweep or I should be able to create action. So I feel like that, that kind of mindset really helped me because sometimes in the tournaments, you just only have 30 seconds left to sweep, you know, you get put in those positions. So that's that's something that I that that I've also implemented in my training. It's like if I'm in a position for too long, this is wrong. I have to correct that, you know. So that's that goes back to like always being on the offensive, you know, always attacking until you make a mistake. And when you make a mistake, who cares, you know, you know, because because in the in the tournament you're not gonna go past what you don't know, never, never, you know. So if you get caught in training, it doesn't matter because in the comp you're not gonna go past that limit that you pass in training. You know, and it, and so that's a that's a good thing to to have. You know, I mean, how many times? I mean, there's people who don't perform well in the gym, but when they go to the competition, it's like they're a different person. Yeah. They take they take over, and you're like, how how are they doing <laughs> that? You know, and it, it it makes sense. You know, that they're they're going past their limits in training. You know, so they may be the person that's always getting caught. Now, there's a big difference. It's like there's people there's some people that just get caught all the time and because they're just not learning jiu-jitsu. They're just, they're just there to, um, hobbyists, you know, just there to train and just like, but there are some people that do get caught a lot and it's not because um, they're not good at jiu-jitsu, it's because they're always like going past their, their comfort zone. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a very known saying, it's like once, you, once, you, once you're not in your comfort, comfort zone, that's when you grow, you know? Yeah. So I'm a huge believer in that. And it was very hard for me to accept that at the beginning when I was transitioning to that. But I realized that once I, once I started um, a training like that, I felt like I made huge, huge strides in my jiu-jitsu. You know, not really, give, not really caring about what happened in the training session. And I think that's something that a lot of people need to, need to improve on. You know? Yeah, definitely. And I know you, and maybe they feel like, um, like, um, that you have to be victorious, you know, in every session. But I, I feel like a lot of high-level, high-level competitors, you know, the people who are, who, who made it, who, who, quote unquote, made it. I'm pretty sure in they, they are making mistakes in their training session, you know, and they're, they're willing to get caught, you know, like they don't, they don't care, you know. So I think a big, a big part of it's like leaving the ego. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome advice. So it's been really fun talking to you. Um, yeah, I'm really, awesome. really happy to watch all your success. Like you won the two biggest tournaments, getting your black belt on the podium, getting an interview, interview with Flow Grappling. That was all such cool stuff. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to touch on before we kind of wrap it up? Any other topics or any other piece of advice you want to leave anyone with? I think I think this was this was good. 
It was, awesome. it was fun, you know? Um, I feel like it was all over the place. No, it was not. It I, was I know really I'm going to be getting better at these podcasts. I think this is my second it podcast. It was great. Well, hopefully you can but, come back on soon, too. Yeah, of course, of course. Thank, thank you so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, do you have any, like, sponsors or friends, uh, coaches, teammates you want to no, thank? No, sp- no sponsors yet. But no I, sponsors. I we got to change that. No sponsors <laughs> yet. I know, right? <laughs> no sponsors yet. Um, but I do want to I do want to give a special thanks to Kevin and Brian Mahecha and Art, my one of my main training partners, Ari Pollen. Like, awesome. They're, awesome. yeah. And that's about it. Sweet. Yeah. Um, what's your uh, social, your Instagram handle so people can follow you? Uh, Sebastian Serpa, uh, JJ. Sebastian Serpa, JJ. Super easy. So, all right. Thanks again for coming on. That was really fun. And yeah, follow Sebastian at Sebastian Serpa, JJ on Instagram. And yeah, we'll have him back on soon. Like I said before, congrats again on all your success. It's really cool to see. I really hope to see you on some super fights and, and competing at the majors at Black Belt. That's going to be awesome to see you take on, take on those guys. So, Good luck with all that, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys all uh, next week for another episode. So thanks for listening.